Hello, this is Mike Biffle, uh, creator of Thomas Was Alone and John Wick Hex, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 146 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, September 18th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we're joined by the grand curator of the game mess, Mr. Jeff Grubb, and we'll be chatting about this past week's second E3-esque slew of announcements thanks to a PlayStation State of Play, Nintendo Direct, and Xbox's version of a Tokyo game show. Lots of cross-platform news hitting the game reverse in this one. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the game reverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of of kindness rather are extended to Mr. Jeff Grubb, my guest, who was patient enough to wait a week while I got over the corona. Jeff Grubb, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Luke. I'm so ecstatic to have you on. I think this is the third time you've been on XEP. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so much, so much joy when you come on. You've been, you've been rocking and rolling in your own content creation space, man. How are things? Ah, busy. Yeah, I've been going. Uh, been doing a lot. It's, uh, it's been nice though. It's cool to um, have all these different avenues to, to talk about the stuff that I really enjoy, and uh, been fun. Kind of trying to figure out new ways of, of doing things and, and reaching people. Um, but trying to, you know, we moved. We got a bit. We got, you know, we, we had a big move across the country. Uh, we, and I'm like. I'm trying to make some big life changes where I'm like, maybe I can let my wife have a few years off because I got to work from home for years and got to be with the kids. And so we're trying to work that out. And so I'm like, well, I'll do a little bit more. And I don't I don't mind so much. So, yeah, it's been it's been fun trying to figure that out. And so far, it's been going pretty well. How's the grind changed for you, though, over the last few months? Like what's what's the difference between where you were and where you are now? Uh, You know, the big difference is, is that. um I feel like when I was writing news stories, I could, it was a little bit more abstract to see the immediate um, response to stuff where um, I would, I would put some work into something and I would put out, put it out there on, you know, gamesbeat.com and uh, pe- people would show up to it. People might start talking about it, uh, but it wasn't like, okay, now I'm, I'm in, engaged in an active conversation with people with the uh, doing more video stuff. It's been much more, okay, I can, um, uh, people f- seem more engaged. I feel like I'm in more control of the uh, of the response to it, where like I can hop right into the comments or whatever. And there's a lot more people engaged with the stuff, so that helps. Um, and also just the the concept of the way you know we do things over at Giant Bomb, and honestly, the way things the way I do things on my own is I come up with an idea and I'm trying to execute it really quickly. We're just you know we're going to come up with an idea we can handle here in the next day and get it done get get it put out there and that could be a little bit different than like writing a big story that requires a lot of reporting and i'm still doing that stuff i'm just like letting it inform the conversations that we're having on the podcast and it fits a little bit better with the way i do things so the grind is is actually much more manageable it's it was for a while there it was like, okay just trying to keep up with the news oh i i've done all this work on on one thing i thought was really important and now 25 news stories have come out since then i feel 
you know, I, I did all this work and now I feel so behind on everything. And that was pretty frustrating after a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's been a nice change so far. I'm sure I'll find things I don't like about it eventually, but right now it's been all positive. Sure. Dude, that's awesome. Do you find that you have to uh, play the game differently? And like my mind, I was just doing a thumbnail prior to the show. Like I have to adjust thumbnails, you know, as cure SEO and, and people yeah. click and stuff. Like that. Do you have to play the game differently from, from venture beat games beat to where you are rocking now? Yeah. I mean, yes. Um, and that's a lot of that's just figuring stuff out, uh, like what, what works, what doesn't, uh, but yeah, a little bit, I mean, a giant bomb, we can kind of get away with doing some stuff just kind of however we want, but we also are like trying to be mindful of growing mm -hmm. and finding new people. And that requires us to play the game of whatever platform that we are engaging with at that moment. Uh, but like, you know, I was, um, I, I made a big mistake with the Twilight Princess Wind Waker stuff this past week. And I'm like, you know what? I, I know, a I know a lot of people don't actually listen to me firsthand to get that information. And I know a lot of them are reading headlines or going to forums and getting stuff kind of, you know, through the game of telephone, which I would say I, I is out of context, but uh, that implies that like things weren't accurate. I just, it just feels like, you know, they're not getting the full context. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, how can I reach the most of those people in the easiest way? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do a, a, you know, an I'm sorry, YouTube video. I know those things always kind of get some traffic. So I'll just, I'll do that. I'll explain exactly what happened, but you know, it won't be, you know, no bus, no fuss. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I made the the thumbnail with the, my face and the big words and everything like that. And, and, you know, the goal of that was to reach this audience who wouldn't normally be watching. So I am thinking more actively about the way that these platforms work and, and the way that the way, the way you can have success on them. Um, but so far it's like not using them, uh, not going into it with like okay what, what can i do to you know uh, clickbait people i guess but whatever if people click on it i i guess i don't care if it if it works it works gotcha cool yeah I mean, it's got to be strange to tie your livelihood in some ways and and be uh yeah. subject to this algorithm that we all try to dance with even though we may not all like it but you need it to, you know that balance is tough yeah, it's it's really trying to um, make it clear to the people who are watching that we're not thinking about the algorithm first. We're thinking about them first. Uh, you know, I, I always said I was writing for my readers. Now I'm, I'm you know, I'm in an, in an active conversation with my listeners and viewers and readers, and um, I am thinking about them first still. So that's where all the content. That's like the heart of the content. And then if we could do some extra mustard on top to get some extra, you know, growth on top of that to, by by thinking about the algorithm. Yeah, we will do that, but that's not where any of the uh, ideas are coming from. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense, man. Makes sense. Well, we appreciate what you do, dude. I think you've become an important part of the the gaming industry, uh, Some sometimes by way of that telephone, which may be frustrating, but I appreciate the work you put in, man. It, it definitely, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm all yeah. good with it. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've got questions for you later on in the show. You will have to talk about your hair regimen. I think that happens every time. Yep, of course. We'll do it. TP. Yep. 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 But this past week, man, we had multiple gaming shows. It felt to me like a second E3. I was so busy at work that every time I pulled up my feed uh, for just a little bit of respite, I was seeing real game news, like actual things yep. were happening, not speculations. It was wild. Uh, I, I think I'll go to what was perhaps the most muted of the of the shows, given that, you know, we had a PlayStation State of Play, we had a Nintendo Direct, uh, but somewhere buried in there was Xbox's Tokyo Game Show presentation. Um, Blaze Knight wrote in on this one. He said, what do we make of the recent ID at Xbox and Tokyo Game Show events? I've heard nobody else talk about these shows so far. Uh, 
I kind of agree with him, Jeff. I mean, there were there was a lot of cool stuff in there. Updates on twenty two uh, game Xbox Game Studio games. We had news of thirteen games from developers in Japan, two in China. Uh, talked a lot about ID at Xbox. Deathloop news coming, but it really was a muted presence. I thought. Yeah, I think um, there was reasons to get expectations a little bit up as we were going into it. Like Phil Spencer is going to be doing the intro or hosting it or whatever, and. Um, you know it's like okay some you know we know he's got kojima maybe they could show and kojima keeps teasing stuff maybe he'll have something uh like he'll show his game or whatever um and so it, there was reason that reasons to have high, high expectations and then coming out of it, it's like oh okay i, I like it happened at like 5 a.m my time and i was up late the night before streaming so i didn't i didn't watch it live mm -hmm. uh, i caught up caught up on it later and uh when i could from what i can tell from that it was like, yeah, it was a small showcase that mostly was positioned as here's why Japan should care about Game Pass. And you know, hey, I, I hope they care. It's a good it's a good service that I think a lot of gamers there could get a lot of use out of. Um, but it's also, well, we know that dance. Is there that much to be excited about? We knew Deathloop was coming. We all knew. It's, I guess it's nice to have it confirmed that it's coming to Game Pass because mm -hmm. it seemed like maybe there's a chance the contracts could get in the way there. Well, they didn't. So great! It's coming to Game Pass. You know, a handful of other stuff, some Nino Cooney stuff. It's uh, th that that's nice, but also if it still feels like it's this is not the um, the tip of the spear for Microsoft convincing anyone to be making what moves one way or the other, or to uh, uh, let you know that this is what you're going to be playing for the future. It's a reminder about why you should be happy about Game Pass, and that's welcome. But for the most part, it's not going to stand up to what when Nintendo and Sony are doing their own showcases. Right. You know, for me, it was a lot of clarity. I with all of the the Jim Ryan quotes, the discussions about, you know, exclusivity and such, I really did wonder about Deathloop. And then it's like, oh, nothing, nothing bad there. It was just a marketing deal why they didn't talk about it. And they wanted to talk about it at a game show. Here we go. September 20th, Xbox gamers are playing Deathloop. No problem. And I thought the the announcements of like, to your point, Nino Cooney getting the remaster, Danganronpa 3 uh, coming to Game Pass, you know, seeing, you know, several other like smaller titles on some of the ID at Xbox stuff. It felt to me like, all right, Xbox is still doing its thing. It's trying to gain a presence in Japan. Uh, I, I felt good after watch or uh, looking over the announcements, watching some of the trailers and such, but it didn't feel groundbreaking in any way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There was, um, there was a lot of reasons to be happy with what you saw. And uh, I, I think I'm like, hey, uh, Deathloop's got extra stuff. I might play that again. I might play it on my Steam Deck, but hey, it's there on Game Pass if I need it. Um, that's that's great. Uh, but we are also still waiting for that other shoe to drop where 2023 is right here. It's the make or break year, I think, for a lot of these acquisitions, or it's the first make or break year. And, um, we, you know, we know we got Starfield. We, we, we know we got Redfall coming. Uh, let's let's get those, but we should be talking about games already that are coming out beyond those two. And um, a, a lot of those games have been announced and we haven't seen much from them in, at this point, years in some cases. So the, the expectations for Microsoft are still pretty high to show that stuff, at least if we're not, you know, announcing new games. Um, and, you know, they didn't happen here. I guess, was anyone expecting them to happen at Tokyo Game Show? Not really, I wasn't, uh, but... The, the, the potential is always there. Phil Spencer on stage. What, what could happen? And um, for the most part, I'll say with Microsoft, it doesn't feel like these events can ever be anything can happen. It, it, we, we, should, we have pretty set expectations for what, what is possible at an event at Tokyo Game Show from Xbox. 
And this, the, what we got was well within those ramifications or well within those specifications. Uh, what we um, are, you know, where can we expect to get stuff like that? Well, E3 for sure. And then maybe the game awards. And if there's like an XO ever, maybe something like that. So like twice, three times a year, maybe. Uh, and this is just not going to be one of those. You mentioned Game Awards, and that's consistently on my mind because, to your point, we know so much about Xbox's slate upcoming in the next few years. They've got so many games announced that there seems to be very little mystery about what the current Xbox game studios are working on. And so I, I'm like, all right, what do they have that we don't know that they could surprise us with other than gameplay, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm curious about that. I, you know, the inevitable, like, is are they going to acquire something new? Which I to my way of thinking, I can't imagine we see new acquisitions thanks to the Activision deal and not wanting to disturb that process. Um, but yeah, Game Game Awards seems to be the only place where we might see something out of Xbox that's fresh and exciting on a AAA level with respect to Pentiment uh, here in 2022. Yeah, I mean, they. the reality is we just might not get very many new game announcements uh, for things we haven't heard of before for some time now. I mean, you know, there's no reason... They could still have stuff like that in the works. They could, and I'm sure they do. I mean, you look at like a company like Nintendo. They're they have like half the studios. They do a lot of partnerships outside externally for uh, uh, third party companies coming in and working on first party games that get published by Nintendo. Excuse me, but and that's um something Microsoft could do more of. And maybe like the the underlying story of what's happening with Tokyo Game Show is Phil Spencer's in Japan. He's having conversations on the ground. This is uh going beyond laying the groundwork they've laid the groundwork for a long time now this is maybe building the scaffolding on top of what they've done before to say hey hey, let's build an infrastructure here in japan where we can get some more partnerships where these companies could feel better about putting games out at least on xbox simultaneously as playstation and switch uh and then maybe even go beyond that let's get some people that can come in and hey maybe you could work out some of our ip maybe uh you know we could hire you to come work on a first party game as a third party uh, external contractor uh that would that would be cool but in in the meantime it would probably be unwise for a microsoft outside of the e3 context to be talking about games that haven't been announced before because they have so many they haven't delivered yet they need to get perfect dark out avowed they you know hellblade they have to at least get a couple of those out and start getting building a track record before you make new promises. I think not many people are in the mood for a new promise right now. I'm inclined to agree. I, I We consistently get this question from Captain Logan uh, on this show about, is it better to have the Sony strategy of buy the games exclusivity, buy the games marketing rights, uh, versus what Xbox seems to be doing with buy the studio, buy the publisher? And my answer to that one is, well, it's better to get the game in the short term because at at the moment, none of the things that Xbox has purchased have produced on an exclusive level for their platform. And so I'm kind of in that boat as well until they start producing the games for their audience and they start coming out in cadence. uh, It feels like the strategy doesn't need more added to it. Yeah. We're, we're, I mean, we're operating on different timelines than what Microsoft's doing, right? We have gamer needs right now. We have, uh, expectations that we're setting right now and microsoft is thinking 10 15 years down the line and um so i think you're right in the short term though those uh timed exclusive deals seem to be really working out for sony i think that if you are looking ahead to another generation and to the shifts in the you know the tectonic shifts that could happen in the marketplace 
and trying to be the one that can shape those those shifts uh you you do what microsoft's doing and that's what we're getting so but that means okay well while we wait as people who might be playing games on an xbox what what, like what all right what's next now it's a little bit frustrating for microsoft because hey we're they're they're gonna be saying we're putting out a lot of good games some of them are exclusive to playstation for a year and that's frustrating but these games are well regarded in many cases and then other games are like yeah we're we're, you know we're good Metacritic's publisher of the year and all that stuff now. And you know how much that really matter if those games aren't for you that they're putting out, it doesn't matter at all, but th- this is, this, this is a company that is thinking on a different timeline. I think what's going to happen in 2023 is those timelines are going to begin to sync up where we want games. Now they want a, a, a guarantee that their future can be, vi- they could be very powerful in the gaming industry in the future so that when, tastes and ways people access games do begin to shift they're like hey we have game pass here's the cloud here's all this other stuff ready to go for anyone who might be coming in new and deciding who their loyalties are going to lie with for the next 30 years uh, they can shape that but we also are getting the games as part of that argument and i think i hope that 2023 is that i expect it to be um even if all the games that i originally heard were scheduled for 2023 don't end up coming out which is of course very likely do you think, and I will tag you on that games that you heard uh, question in a minute, but do you <laughs> think uh, had Halo and Forza perhaps delivered on what what they were hoping, maybe in terms of, of genuine interest in gameplay and concurrent players, Steam lists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think if those games had delivered, people would be as frustrated with the lack of output from Xbox? And I use that with an asterisk given that Xboxes are still selling out. Excitement's still a buzz around a lot of Xbox platforms. I mean, like, the, the, there's still plenty to play, and people are playing it. Um, but do you think if those two games had delivered on, on the level that Microsoft was perhaps hoping, we would still be perhaps as frustrated with this year in terms of output? I agree. The, the sting would be taken off, even if I, even if I think we would still be a little frustrated. Um, I, I think that... Uh, you know, it's a very what have you done for me lately thing. Um, you know, like looking over at Nintendo, they had um, Animal Crossing that one year. And then mm-hmm. you know, not much came out after, but a lot of people were like, hey, we have Animal Crossing. But if you talk to people who weren't into Animal Crossing and are big Nintendo fans, they would tell you uh, there hasn't actually been anything for me for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, even when you have a big game, people are still going to be saying, hey, what's next? Um, so. To be in that situation and then also be like feeling like many people aren't happy with your most recent output, um, that stings extra hard. So it, it would help. But the reality is, and Microsoft clearly knows this because it talks about it talks about wanting to be in this situation. And it has obviously built its internal studio infrastructure to deliver on this. It wants to have that regular cadence of one big game per quarter, if not more. And it's not there yet. And it's it was probably never going to be there by like the early part of 2022. But you could feel like, hey, in the second half of 2022, after all that work and uh, even counting some of the games that had those previous contracts like Deathloop, uh, by the end of 2022, they should be hitting it. And that was going to be what was going to happen with Starfield and Redfall. And that didn't work out. So now it's been pushed into 2023. But now coming out of 2023 or going into 2023 and then coming out of it, uh if they are not on that regular cadence, something else is going on. And then it's like, they need to be, I mean, obviously development is, is still as, as tough as ever and getting talent is as tough as ever. You see what happens with halo 
And you're like, well, this is the biggest franchise at one of the biggest corporations in the history of the universe. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they keep saying that they need to move resources around because they they want to focus on other parts of the game. Well, don't don't you have uh, essentially infinite resources? And what so it turns out, you know, time, physics, and human labor hours don't work that way. They can only get so much talent because talent keeps moving around and finding better, you know, greener pastures and moving around. And uh, so you lose this institutional knowledge that gets taken along with these people. And now you're, yeah, you've got great people coming up, but now you got to spend a lot of time training them or, or giving them time to find their footing. And in the meantime, Halo is languishing. So it's it, it's a tough business right now, and I get it, but they need to be on that cadence. That is actually the right way of doing things, especially if you are uh, putting your, your games out as part of a, a subscription service. So in the meantime, while everyone is sort of antsy and anxious and, and a little bit unhappy, uh, there's not much to do about that other than put out a game. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to agree on, on all levels there. Uh, you did mention things that you'd heard were originally going to be happening in 2022. Can you shed some light on that? Yeah, in, in 2023, yeah. it's um, They had a bunch of games on the docket in uh, like from like 2021 through 2022, what they expected to be in 2023. This is just like their internal schedule, and it definitely is subject to change. It was games like Avowed, Fable, Perfect Dark, Everwild's Hellblade 2, Contraband, and Ex- and Exile's next game, and Compulsion's next game. Oh, and the Coalition uh, non-gears project that they were working on. I mean, All that in that window? That's a right. lot of AAA. It's a lot, but like you know immediately just reading that list that some of those don't pass the smell tests. Everwild's is not coming out next year. Uh, there's 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 no way. Now, of those games, I do I do think Hellblade 2 has a strong chance of coming out in the second half of next year, but also it could easily get pushed into, you know, 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Avowed Fable, Perfect Dark, Contraband. I mean, who's to say? All, all those seem possible, and at the same time, all of them seem like they could take another couple of years, uh, especially Contraband, one we haven't seen really much from at all. Um, and then Compulsion, I guess that one does seem likely since it's been so long since Compulsion's next game, and I guess the same goes for the Coalition's next game. Uh, but the coalition is so busy working on everyone else's stuff that maybe they won't be ready. So there's a lot possible. And I suppose with Starfield and Redfall going into 2023, really what you need is like two of these games to fill out the second half of the year. And if you get to that point, you, okay, then we're hitting one game per quarter on average, at least. Mm-hmm. And they've delivered on their promise. And let's see how everyone feels about that. Let's see if like that feels like enough. My guess is it probably still won't feel quite like enough because not every single one of those games is going to hit with every single person, right. but it's going to be a lot closer and a lot better than what they're doing now. Um, and the conversation could turn to, well, this game's not to, not for me instead of, well, there's no games at all to choose from, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, you know, we, we speak in hyperbole about that stuff. Obviously, there are games on Game Pass and games coming out from third party and why people only care about first party is, is a little bit, you know, bewildering, but whatever. Um, I think a lot of these games do move and and in the meantime uh if a couple come out i would be very i'd be very happy to see if it what it feels like to have microsoft begin delivering on this experiment in in you know wholeheartedly if you're a betting man which one from that list that you gave does come out in 2023 next to redfall and starfield uh hellblade 2 is is probably number one on the list and then um and then probably compulsions game i would say and then maybe in Exiles next game. Uh, I think those those three seem like there's a strong chance. 
Uh, and then of like the the ones that have titles beyond all that, um, between Avowed, Fable, Perfect Dark, uh, and not I'm not counting Everwilds there. So I, I think probably Fable, uh, even though that seems like it could just take forever as well. So yeah, I always worry about cannibalization. I feel like uh, I felt like just with the scheduling, Forza had this massive excitement around it. It was the first Xbox exclusive in so long. And then Halo drops and everybody seems to have publicly forgotten about Forza. I'm sure the player base is doing quite well. But I worry about that with so many RPGs. Like, do you want an avowed experience near a Starfield? That kind of thing. That is something that uh, consistently kind of floats through my mind uh, as we see some of these bigger AAA titles. Some of them seem to look very similar in terms of genre. And I worry about cannibalization between the two. Yeah, it's... um... I think that that is something that it's easy to worry about from the outside. I think internally, Microsoft is probably looking at data and seeing that it doesn't necessarily work that way, especially because their business model is one cohesive subscription service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, in, in a world where people where you're forcing your customers to choose between spending $60 on this or $60 on that, spacing things out probably made a lot of sense and ensure that you were maximizing your relationship to the customer's wallet. And that was, I'm sure that's very important, but when you are trying to get a subscription service going, it's all additive at a certain point, at a certain point, having uh, a halo right next to Forza is a double whammy that makes it easy to pull the trigger on the subscription service. Now, do you keep it around? Well, that's, that's sort of a different fight, keeping people happy over time. And it's a, it's a, it's a lot easier to win that battle than it is to get someone to subscribe in the first place. So I think putting a couple of big games right next to each other is probably a viable strategy for something like this. Now, uh, these are games in many cases that do have long ongoing support and live service stuff and then subscription or, and then um, uh, in game microtransactions and stuff like that. And that's definitely a concern. If the one game is pulling away players from another game that might've been spending money on that one, and, you know, it's a little unfair to them, maybe. But I I don't think that that's not the primary concern right now. A big live service game that can succeed with an audience is sort of going to find its way uh, regardless of those hurdles, uh, because, you know, a, people, a person picking their forever game is looking for that in a very specific way. And, and another game coming out is probably not going distra- to distract them too much. So I, I think this is something that um, Microsoft is aware of and is not too worried about. Uh, even though from the outside, I, I know people like when we talk about TV, people are like, I love weekly releases because it's like I have something to do every week and spread stuff out. And um, I think it might feel nice and, and people like might like the feeling of a structured schedule of things coming out and they're spread out and it gives you a little space to enjoy things. Uh, and like that probably does uh, some nice things for people's well-being in terms of uh, uh, taking on media and taking on a lot of media because we're so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I would wager that internally, when you look at the data, especially for something like TV, there's a reason Netflix keeps doing things the way Netflix has been doing things. And it's because mm-hmm. it works and gets a lot of subscribers and they're going to keep doing that. And I think that uh, Microsoft probably sees the same thing. That's a good point. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about the idea of getting somebody in as a new customer because in my mind it was consistently like, don't let this audience eat that audience. But it makes a you make a very good point in a way that I hadn't considered of, well, if I have two major big releases near each other, I can spend 60 bucks and get at Game Pass for X amount of time, and then I'm going to keep resubscribing versus, 
you know, not wanting to cannibalize. That's a really, really good point. And I have something to think about now. That's, that's neat. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Uh, to round out just a little bit of the Tokyo Game Show, I just want to share because it was asked. Uh, some of the ID at Xbox stuff that came out, over 250 Japanese creators have games uh, coming to Xbox. And of that, oh, let's see, let me make sure I read this properly. These teams have already released 150 games onto Xbox. Uh, and they gave some examples of that. It's pretty cool to, to think about on a small level. Um, Jeff, Rune Telvik wrote in and asked, with all this talk about Japanese games on Xbox, will there ever be a Lost Odyssey 2 remake of the original? <laughs> and uh, what happened to Mistwalker in the first place? Uh, how come they didn't put out more games on Xbox? I think the bigger question here, Jeff, is will we see any of those that original Japanese push from the 360 era? Any of those games ever going to come back? I think there's a chance. Um, I, you know, that was a different Microsoft, a different an initiative. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that, you know, there's no love for those games. I think there's a chance that something like a Lost Odyssey or a Blue Dragon could eventually uh, make make their way back. Um, and get like even get like sequels, possibly. I, I think that that in, in those situations, it would be built out of what what Phil is doing right now, um, inviting Japanese creators into the Microsoft fold in a really strong way. And who, who knows, maybe it does end up making a deal with say, Hey, does this, this new studio create a, a made up of former developers on massive RPG franchises who are looking for work. Do you want to come work on blue dragon Two, And, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, we'll get the miss Walker involved in some ways and you could be the team and uh, um, Sakaguchi can come in and be like, be like executive producer or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, all that seems on the table right now i don't necessarily know if anything like that's going to happen but it seems like not out of the realm of possibility um i i think more likely though is people people in japan we're gonna are gonna look to the kojima deal they're gonna look to you know phil and kojima hanging out and they're gonna see money and they're gonna see um security and and fair deals and uh, a creator being able to do whatever they, whatever he wants um, with the with the power of Microsoft behind him, mm -hmm. and I think it's going going to attract some development development talent that will want to say, "Hey, uh, listen, putting out games on Switch is great, but Nintendo sort of hands off in terms of uh, cultivating us." And Sony seems to have sort of uh, grown a little bit detached from both Japan and indie games. And so if we're like growing up in that space and now we're ready to take on the next challenge, do we really want to be uh, trying to fight for that attention? And if we're going to get, you know, a direct, a direct line to Phil Spencer, the, you know, the head over here, may, maybe we could make some gains and do something special over here. Now, I, that's going to be few and far between. Most people in a market are going to keep doing what they've done before. Uh, but I think that there are going to be some incremental improvements to the relationship between xbox and japanese games now not xbox and japanese gamers necessarily that's a, a longer fight that will probably um you know it has improved a little bit obviously this generation but mm -hmm. it's not gonna like suddenly be day and night over there but that doesn't mean you can't get all the advantages of having a strong relationship with japanese developers that that can help you globally and I, microsoft fully gets that and phil spencer said as much good stuff good stuff uh, in all in that you mentioned Nintendo briefly, and I do want to bring out the Xbox adjacent news that came by way of the Nintendo Direct, and that is GoldenEye 007 is back, but it is back weirdly. Jeff, this is so 
par for the course, I think, when you look at Nintendo and Xbox together. Uh, Xbox Game Pass is getting GoldenEye 64, but it's coming back <laughs> with an improved refresh rate, a 4K experience. It looks like it's been uh, remastered, if that's the right word for it. I'm not 100% sure if that's the right word for it. But on the Nintendo, oh, and it will not have online multiplayer. However, on the Nintendo Switch side, you get a fully emulated version of the N64 experience. It will not look as good. It will not play as well, uh, given to that refresh rate. However, it will have online, but it will be an emulated online, meaning that you will watch all four players on a single screen despite playing online. What a weird, cool, but weird announcement. Yeah, it's uh, it's especially weird given the context that there is a fully complete Xbox Live Arcade r- actual remaster of GoldenEye sitting on Xbox servers uh, that has leaked out and people have played and have seen is co- hella done. It's super finished, ready to go. Uh, it was it got made for the Xbox 360. Uh, Rare did it themselves. And then uh, Nintendo put the kibosh on it and said, no, we're not going to actually put this. We're not going to let you put this out. And so that it just got abandoned. Uh, It's weird that they wouldn't just let Microsoft take that version and put it out, but it seems like that's what happened. Now we, I don't think we know for sure, but it seems like Nintendo just said, uh, we don't want you to have a, like such a better version of this game on your thing. So what, what we will say is you can have the ROM and you could do the emulator thing that you did with, uh, with a rare replay. And good luck. And that sucks. It's it's it's, it's silly. They should Nintendo should be less weird about this stuff, but it's Nintendo, so they're weird about this stuff. And uh and that means the rest of us don't get the best possible version of Goldeneye that we could could have gotten in a better world. Um it that online multiplayer that is gonna be on the Switch version, it is uh something I probably will play a couple times, but you know, uh, it's yeah. it's just the overall tunneling software that they use to play ever to make everything online for a Nintendo Switch online game. Uh, any two player game is like they're not patching in online multiplayer, like you said. This is just emulated stuff, so mm-hmm. it, it's gonna be a weird. It's gonna be a weird thing, and most people are probably not gonna end up doing much with that. As opposed to if they were to put out that Goldeneye remaster on, from Xbox natively on Xbox One and Series X and S and all that stuff. I think a lot of people would have had a, a couple of a good couple of weeks with that where it's like, oh, man, a lot of people are playing this. This is fun. Just like what happened when Perfect Dark got the same treatment. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel. But I'm I, I always worry because I grant to any listener that might be new or, or is unfamiliar with me. It is an Xbox show. This is the Xbox expansion pass. And so I try to be wary of uh, playing for the home team, I suppose. But to mm-hmm. my way of thinking, I feel like Xbox gamers got the better end of this deal given that they got the refresh rate improved up from whatever it was goodness it was low but but it was a 64 game right like i feel like they're getting the better visuals better experience and i don't think anyone's going to really enjoy that online multiplayer to your point um am i playing for the home team am i being a little too like rah-rah on the xbox side there no i think i think this is fair this is, i mean what's but what's happening here is uh you know you're questioning your 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 like the home team bias while at the same time uh, coming butting up against a, a weird company, Nintendo doing things for no obviously good reason, just mm-hmm. n- weird Nintendo decisions that uh, you would uh, you normally don't have to deal with. Well, now they're coming into the sphere and messing things up. And I think it's completely fair to be like, what is even ha- like this just seems stupid. And you are right. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. All right. Well, it's good to hear. I'm glad because, you know, I, I'm always conscious of that. I enjoy gaming on all platforms, but, you know, I make an Xbox show and I want to be, you know, cognizant of that because it can certainly benefit me to if something great comes to my console of choice. And I will say I'm glad this is coming to Game Pass because I'm worried if I'd spent money on it and it wasn't the nostalgic experience I wanted it to be, that'd feel disappointment. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's that's uh, that's fair because it's... um you know you you really what do you want from GoldenEye at this point it's uh it's not something that you is ever gonna like they tried to bring it back a bunch of times mm-hmm. and recapturing that magic never really worked when it was a new form uh like a new thing that was just called GoldenEye uh and so I'm kind of over them trying that uh at this point having everyone going back and checking in on that original ROM or whatever sure that works for me cool cool well, uh, just a little bit of news coming more out of the Tokyo Game Show. Phil Spencer reiterated that Microsoft has no plans for a price hike on the Series S or X. This came after concerns of uh, after PlayStation that did it in some territories. Nintendo said they wouldn't do it. Xbox has reiterated they won't. Uh, so fear not, Xbox fans. If you're still trying to get a box, the price is not going up. Uh, something interesting happened this past week, Jeff, that... It raised my eyebrows given all the discussion surrounding Halo, and that's that Bonnie Ross is now out at as head of 343 Industries after 15 yeah. years. I say out, and that and people's minds may jump to, to any conclusions there. However, it was stated that uh, in an announcement she made on Twitter, she's departing earlier than expected, which means she was expecting to leave right. uh, due to a family medical issue. And that raises eyebrows. Uh, I think people were questioning whether or not that's true not in the sense that there's a family concern but given the structure uh of halo's uh frustrating releases the brand overall what's been happening with infinite i think people are asking questions i mean i think it's fair to ask questions um but with bonnie ross leaving she certainly stewarded a lot of halo content in the last 15 years the master chief collection got ended up on track by the end uh there is a, a show multiple projects books like there's a lot that happened with halo Bonnie Ross leaving, good, bad. What are your thoughts? I have mine, but but tell me yours first, please. It it was it's probably time for a change. Um, I think that they needed to do something. And how many options do you really have other than? I mean, they're not going to nuke the like the studio or the pro or the projects that they're working on or or the games that are active right now. So you're going to keep these things. Moving moving forward, uh, so then uh, under those circumstances, like what what can you really shift around? Mm-hmm. Well, you can ask the people who are in charge to make some changes, and I bet that's already happened, and I bet it's made some improvements. But is it enough? It feels like what's happened is that there, there weren't enough improvements. So the discussions were, hey, Bonnie, at, at a certain point coming up, uh, maybe we're probably going to look to make some leadership changes. And then she was like, listen, I already got shit going on in my personal life. Let's just, let's just dip now. I'd rather be taking care of them than, than this. And I think that's mm-hmm. completely fair. Uh, of course, this is speculation. And I, I hope, you know, it, it goes without saying that, you know, all respect to Bonnie and going to take care of someone who's sick in your family. That's a, that rises above everything else. And so mm-hmm. all of this discussions about video game stuff, if uh, if you think, well, this doesn't really matter. I agree. But this is that's the show. That's what we're talking about here. That's that's our jobs. Mm-hmm. So we are going to talk about the game side of stuff at the same time. I I, I think that uh, it was bon- it's Bonnie Ross. And then the, the, a couple of days later, right, of, a few days later, they said the head of technology at, at, at 343 is also leaving. Mm-hmm. So 
it seems like they are saying, okay, we need, we're going to bring in fresh leadership to, and maybe people who understand, because a lot of it, a lot of it was like people from within the studio got moved up. Maybe these are people who are more aware of what the problems are and what would be required to change, what would, what would need to change to fix those issues. And hopefully that's the case. That would be the reason I would be making these changes. I, I kind of hope that's what's happening here. And uh, that's kind of what Halo needs right now. It, it mm-hmm. needs sort of a, a little bit of kick in the ass to get up and get at them on fixing these issues with a little bit more urgency than what, what we felt so far. And um, I'm sure part of that is the, the Microsoft's pretty hardline stance against a lot of a lot of crunch. Um, and, you know, I hope that doesn't change, but it still feels like they could be doing more while not killing their, their developers, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's a lot, a lot to break down within that. I'm of the mind as well that family first, I think all, all the best to Bonnie Ross, like goodness gracious, if I've ever met Bonnie Ross, I would be so inclined to shake her hand, give her a hug, thank her for the work she's done in Halo, because I love that franchise. And I think it's good also to have fresh blood, fresh ideas, uh, leading a studio that that did have a troubled launch with their game. I think it's a miracle Halo Infinite came out uh, and was as playable as it was. There's a lot of really good gameplay there. I love the, st- the story that they're doing. I think there's more to be had there. The problem, I think, ultimately, is that if you're going to have a live service game, you need content faster. And I don't want to see and hear about um, Halo crunching at all. Yeah. I don't want 343 to do that. Similarly, you must be able to compete in a market where you know, live service is live service. And and if that means resources shifting around or avoiding bottlenecks, getting more people on a project, um, I think it was time for Halo to have that shift. And this is a, uh, I, I want to use the word graceful. This is a graceful way to let some of those changes happen. Yeah. With the caveat of, I'm hoping that it's not, her. I, I hope the family emergency is not so dire that there's no way to celebrate the legacy. Right yeah, there. agreed. Like there was a lot of good work done. Um, you know, they, they took on some challenging stuff and uh, a lot of people remember the bad um, stuff that they had with Halo under 343. There was um, a lot of a lot of W's too. There was a lot of stuff that people really, really like. And if you could start, if you put all that, all those things together, it's a pretty impressive legacy for, for, for Bonnie Ross and that team. So uh, hopefully in the future, they can build on that stuff and really just emphasize all that good stuff. And make a lot more of it. That's all anyone really wants. Agreed. And I shout out to any listener to recognize those W's, as Jeff said, because Halo 4 was magic on an Xbox 360. That that was yeah. just absurd how good it was. The multiplayer in Halo 5, absolutely wonderful. The reconstruction of the Master Chief Collection, really at the end of the day, did something special. It launched poorly, but did something special. And we're seeing that with so many games now where they launch in a frustrating state due, due to any number of reasons. And then studios stick with it and they could have easily abandoned it and uh for all intents and purposes halo infinite extremely fun very playable game uh certainly there's content missing and they've got stuff coming but uh, my excitement for halo while frustrated right now it, it exists nonetheless and so i'm hopeful that uh, yeah same it's it's, it's it's such a fun game and there's just it's just a couple of hurdles they need to get over with the content and if they could do that uh they'll be back in business in no time are you expecting anything to come out of by way of them in terms of content soon? Like whether it's DLC, whether it's that that rumored battle royale. Have you heard anything on that front? I've not, uh, I, and so I'm I'm at a point where I'm not expecting too much, just because I feel like every time I do that, it's uh, it's usually a pretty big letdown. Um, 
I, I think that they could still surprise us, but I don't, I don't think anytime this year, they're going to pretty much stick to their established roadmap. And then maybe they'll have like a big surprise early next year or something like that. We'll have to wait and see. I was really, fr- I'm, I'm frustrated to hear that on some levels because I want more Halo content. However, with the recent news of Call of Duty and what they're doing with Modern Warfare 2 uh, coming out in what, November 16th, Warzone 2 is going to be out, new map, new weapons, DMZ mode, which brings in PV el- PVE elements to their PvP uh, structuring, third person multiplayer. Uh, dude, I'm super excited for Call of Duty this year in a way that I haven't been in several years. Um, I don't know if it's fatigue from Halo or I'm just ready to be excited for Call of Duty again. I don't know if it's the Activision Blizzard deal, but best for Halo to stay out of the way, I think, in this fall and just take the L for the lack of content that they've had and let Call of Duty have its moment. Because to my way of thinking, there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon for, for Call of Duty, a franchise that's struggled on its terms in the last few years. Yeah, it's um, I think there's a strong chance Call of Duty is going to have a, a great couple of months and uh uh you know people have been playing that beta i played that beta so people seem people seem to like it there's some issues but for the most part it seems like stuff that can get tweaked out it's not like oh lack of content or something like that that would be difficult to address uh if anything call of duty has uh too much content they have so much happening so i think you're right like get out of the way of that and then you know you have you have 2023 coming up and you could start really then like re-ramping up uh you know a little bit into next year and then by the end of next year if you're putting out some really big stuff whether when there isn't going to be a call of duty apparently then yeah that's that's i mean there's going to be huge updates to uh, warzone 2 and all this other stuff so you're gonna have to watch out for that but you know that's going to be better than trying to compete against the the uh, room filling noise that is going to be call of duty here in a couple of weeks i had a a good chuckle this past week when i took a step back and looked at Jim Ryan's comments about the inadequacy of the Activision deal and then follow it like two days later, we have the exclusive beta for PlayStation launching launching two weeks or a week or so ahead of the Xbox side of things while Deathloop was getting cleared to come out on Xbox as it exited PlayStation exclusivity. That was a game that wouldn't have existed if not for PlayStation money at one point and then Xbox purchased that one and then Deathloop is going to come to Game Pass. It was this funny tit for tat back and forth and Call of Duty kind of at the center of it as it gets this exclusive beta uh, or a timed exclusive beta. I don't know how you want to word that, but it it was coming to PlayStation first. I just had a grin and a chuckle at the lunacy of the gaming industry in that front. Yes, it's like uh, there are so many you know clauses on top of clauses and so like so much of the way that these companies behave is dictated by lawyer i mean this is i mean it's an entertainment medium it's an artistic medium um it's uh you know it's a big it's got big blockbusters it's this thing that uh it's this massive vehicle for making money it's all run by lawyers when it comes down Mm -hmm. to it in the day this is an industry that is shaped and crafted and and decisions are made by lawyers in small rooms having conversations for a couple of days and the weird things that end up in their contracts is how all these giant corporations have to behave in the things they have to abide by it is it's a weird business it is it really is um not too far from that but but a little bit separate james study wrote in asking about call of duty and realism and escaping realism and my mind jumps to the old call of duty Modern Warfare 2 on this one, given the, the no Russian moment. But he asks, uh, there's a COD clip going around of Modern Warfare 2 showing the eastern United States getting nuked. 
given the state of the world, is that too far in gaming? I feel like Modern Warfare has danced on this, and sometimes lawyers do get involved. Is there a line of realism for video games? I know my thoughts, but you go first. Please, please, please. Uh, I mean, there, there's a line. It's different for everybody, right? It's, it's uh, uh, you know, obviously there is no hard and fast rule, and and there can't be. Um, every every person is different. Um, and, and even when we are talking about, oh, let's say there is a, a hard and fast rule. Every, let's say everyone agreed that would still be in an imaginary construct. Mm-hmm. Um, the, these games are just trying to, uh, they're trying to sell first and foremost, but the people working on them usually want to do something that is uh, eye catching and maybe makes you feel something. And, uh, all those, all those different competing desires are butting against one another. And the, the thing that comes out of that is a video game that may have some weirdness attached to it. And it's worth criticizing if you feel like it's um, too touchy. But I think that it's also something that I've really enjoyed engaging with in the last uh, few months is like um, the media about, you know, Russian conflicts. And, um, and then during the pandemic, I watched that, uh, that Steven Soderbergh movie about, about pandemics and stuff like that a couple of times. Cause it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I want to like a safe place to, to play around with or to think about these ideas and these feelings I'm having. And uh, I don't think that ever gets rid of those feelings. It's not something where it's like I have clinched those desires, but it, it, it does help me have a discussion with myself self about how I feel about these things. Mm-hmm. So uh, a nuke going off in a game, um, I would definitely make sure that people are aware. Uh, I think it's completely fair. If you know something's in the game and you know it's going to make you feel bad, uh, mm-hmm. You should have every right to know that so you could uh, avoid it if you want. I think that's totally fine. And a lot of content warnings are, are built specifically in that way. Uh, but I don't think that's a reason to uh, ask the developer not to put it in there unless you feel truly like it's abhorrent to you and then you are free to criticize it. Yeah. Uh, to my way of thinking on this one, Suddy, I, I think there is not necessarily a line of going too far. I do think you need to make people aware, to, to Jeff's point, make them aware that it's in the game. But, you know, in how many of our games are we executing just massive amounts of violence, whether it's, uh, you know, taking a golf club to someone's head in The Last of Us, whether it's, you know, seeing people suffer in terms of war and any number of games. I think sometimes, though, uh, we see that sensitivity for American audiences, but not necessarily where a lot of these conflicts take place overseas and whatnot. And so there's a lot of politicization politicization yeah man that's a tough one that is a tough one right especially on a podcast but uh (laughs) we see that pop up and that seems to be the conversation but uh, let's keep in mind that how many of our games require us to execute acts of violence and and the scale of that might be different per person i mean goodness our buddy uh mr badbit on the from the playstation trophy room he he talks about bloodborne all the time but then he can't kill a dog in a game you know, like right. the line is different, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's something that uh, you, you just get, you, it's okay to bring your stuff to your games that you play. <clears throat> and that's, that's what makes gaming fun is it's, it's interactive and you're supposed to be having uh, an opinion about what's happening in there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, it's always worth discussing this stuff. It's always worth, um, you know, when, like when when Call of Duty does pull stuff from the headlines, I mean, it did that with the, the last game, right? Or maybe that was Modern mm-hmm. Warfare One, where it had the the Trail of Tears reference, uh, and it's like, well, this is a, a crime against humanity that the United States did, and in the game, they're going to have the the enemies of the United States doing this thing, and that's sort of like, well, that makes me feel weird. Like we, we, right. you're kind of whitewashing this stuff. We can have these conversations. I think that's 
totally fair. Uh, but if it was just about they're doing something violent in a game, um, most of the time it's probably going to be, well, listen, it's, it's, it's a game and uh, we, we can maybe put it into its own little box and say, it's, just, it's not actually hurting anybody. It is pixels at the end of the day. Uh, but again, if people want to have a conversation and want to criticize it, I, I want to hear it. Same, same. Well, Jeff, as we wind down, a lot of people wrote in questions for you. Some I haven't mentioned yet. Let's get to those if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Put on put on your leaking hat for this one because I think a lot of people are desperate for them. Uh, this one comes from uh, at Bring Spider Man. He says, Jeff, do you think it's possible that Microsoft is going to acquire another big publisher after Activision? Is it legally possible? If so, what, WB Games, Focus Home, EA, Ubisoft? Uh, or do you think this will be their last pu- uh, publisher acquisition? Uh, I, it's not. It's probably not going to be their last publisher acquisition. It might be their last one for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that they will probably slow down in terms of the size. But I think at the same time, they will be looking to Europe and to Asia for their next big acquisition. I think that they think um, they're well covered when it comes to Western studios. And I, mm-hmm. and they probably want, and they, you know, I think they've said as much that, Hey, we were kind of looking in these areas a little bit more. Um, uh, and I think part of what Phil Spencer's doing in Japan is building a foundation for having this relationship so that when they do want to go forward with a big acquisition in Japan, that he has the relationships necessary to even make that viable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to, you know, then everyone says, well, then is he buying Sega? I have, who knows? Who knows what it's actually right. going to end up being? Um, I think a couple of years ago, Capcom would have made a lot of sense. And then in a post-Monster Hunter World Society, no, not so much. Um, but I, 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 don't think, I don't think they're done. I don't think they're done with publishers. Interesting. Okay. So I, I'm, I see a lot of, from armchair analyst perspective, what they're trying to do is make Xbox more attractive to talent by way of not crunching, by yeah, way of definitely. saying, you know, we're, sure, if you want a union, go for it. They're doing a lot of stuff to make it more attractive for talent. And I think after the Activision deal, they perhaps will slow down and it'll be trying to bring talent in, not necessarily buying the name WB Games or Focus Home or whatever it might be. Oh, yeah, be. that would be way more efficient, especially when it comes to Warner Brothers, because you're not going to be able to get a lot of this IP so right. you're not going to buy those studios. That that doesn't make any sense. So you would just like, you know, you pick off the key talent, let them start a new studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has, that's kind of a hassle. So they haven't done a lot of that. Um, and they really want IP, which is why they keep focusing on acquisitions. But um, if that talent is out there, Microsoft will be out, be out there trying to acquire it through other means. And like you said, just hiring those teams up. Yeah. I hope that's what happens at least in a couple of cases, because I'm ready to see new talent, better talent, happier talent in the Xbox gaming space to work with so much of the IP that they now have under their umbrella. Right, exactly. Uh, let's see. Let's get to a different question. This one comes from the Deadly Eight, who Deadly Eighty One, who was very concerned that you wouldn't get to his question. Uh, he says he hopes you're doing well and having a good weekend. He wonders if uh, Disney revealed all of their upcoming Disney original and Pixar games at D23, or are there more unannounced on the docket? I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know exactly, but my understanding from what I've heard out of that camp is that they have a lot of games, game deals that they're trying to make. Uh, and that, that applies to Marvel, applies to Star Wars, and I think it applies to, to Disney as a whole. Uh, I think that's one of the big reasons they have John Drake over there, because um, they want to make as many... They want as many games as possible, because going into the pandemic, they didn't, and they were screwed. 
they they did they were like hey we, we can't have our parks open no one's going to the movies um all the things we do are are you know are hurting so they did that they you know they rushed disney plus and got that ready to go uh but they also looked and looked around and said what's what's doing really well right now and gaming was doing better than anything so like listen we don't know what the big next big hurdle to the market's going to be but clearly we are at a disadvantage if that if the changes uh prevent people from being able to gather in public what can we do to, to work against it well we want as many games as possible and are we going to be are we going to turn into a publisher ourselves no we tried that before we're pretty bad at it so we are going to be a licensing powerhouse and i I think that there probably almost certainly is a lot more Disney games to come across the board under all their banners, all their IP banners. My hope is that not, not too many of them go exclusive. I think a lot of times with Marvel, with, with uh, superheroes, with Disney, with a lot of these very popular IP, there's an ownership that we all feel about them. And I don't like when one fan base gets locked out. Um, I think in the case of Insomniac, that benefited gamers because goodness gracious, that game is just so good. Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of the Disney stuff that those IP are just so beloved. We're just seeing the whatever the one that just came to to Xbox game preview that is very similar to Animal Crossing. I'm COVID branding right now. Uh, yeah, are, I you know remember. what I'm talking about the farming one that people are loving with with IP from Disney. Oh, oh yes, uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley. Thank you yes. so much. Yes, like that that stuff's great. I hope those things don't stay exclusive though, because there's an ownership about those characters, and I want more people to have access to them. You know? Yes, uh, yes, definitely. It's um. And like the exclusives don't really benefit any gamers, right? The exclusives right. only benefit the companies. Uh, you be you being like, well, I get to play it. Well, homie, if it was multi-platform, you get to play it too. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no change here. You literally get zero out of this deal. Uh, so um, it, it it would make a lot more sense, or a lot more people would be able to benefit from these games if they were everywhere. So yeah, absolutely. Agree. Agree. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pace myself here and not do too much, too much else. Stubbs Gaming wants to know, uh, with the great response to the Yakuza franchise being received on Xbox platforms and Game Pass, positive feedback from Sega Sammy, does Jeff think that Yakuza Like a Dragon 2, which I think we have a new name for that one, will launch day and date into Game Pass? Um, I, I, there, it seems like it'll be pretty close to happening. Those deals always happen at the last minute. Uh, I've said this before, and I think if you go back and look at at how they get announced, you could kind of see all these things always get announced a couple weeks out, um, with maybe one or two exceptions. Then I yeah, the one, one big exception was like MLB the show, the second year, where like they just I think they just re up the deal or whatever. But um it's it's definitely possible. Uh, but the the game series is growing and growing fast, and these publishers always sort of want to be like, Well, what can we make first before we get the game pass money? Because the game pass money will be there, we know that. Uh, mm -hmm. It won't be as much, but maybe we'll make a lot more from going out there. Everyone understands the, the market, the market that's happening here, and like the forces that are at play. Um, I, I think my I would probably wager against it coming against Game Pass, but I do think it, like the the possibility, the the odds are turned up slightly compared to recent years, where it's like ah, that probably wouldn't happen. Excellent. I have a question here about Bloodborne. We're an Xbox show, but I think too, I think. I would be remiss if I didn't ask it because too many people are asking about Bloodborne. Yo, what's happening with Bloodborne? Anything? Uh, I, I think the answer to that is nothing's happening with Bloodborne right now. Uh, and I think that the reason for that continues to be that From Software is very busy with Elden Ring. And while Sony could hire someone to come in and work on that, uh, 
my understanding, and this could this could be wrong, but my my understanding was from software built that game in such a way that you couldn't just hire a team to go in there and do the work for them. You'd have to work in conjunction with from software. From software would have to be there with keys in hand to unlock the doors to the part of the code that is a little bit spaghetti and a little bit messed up so that they can guide you through it, uh, sort of Sherpa this other team through. And Elden Ring or and, and From Software is just too busy for that right now. Uh Elden Ring was Elden Ring was a big project they were working on that was keeping them busy. And now it's the biggest game ever. And building on support and updating it, that's keeping them busy. It's their number one priority. They're just gonna keep working on that. And uh Bloodborne, Bloodborne can wait. I I know so many, so many people that are going to be devastated with that news, but at the same time, Elden Ring is such a masterpiece. It's like, how can you be upset, you know? Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It's just going to take some time. I think a little bit more time. Yep. Well, Jeff, uh, the final question uh, was it. asked by multiple people. They need to know your hair care <laughs> regime. They need to know what's going on. Every is there time, a hair huh? care simulator? People, yeah, every time Todd Oxter writing in wants to know if you're making a hair simulator game. What's your care <laughs> regimen? Emil wrote this in as well. And I think if I kept scrolling, I think I see two more people writing in. What's the deal with the hair, man? What do you do? How do you keep this magic? Are you the number one hair, uh, hair connoisseur in the gaming biz? Absolutely. That goes without saying, of course. Um, I still don't do much now things have changed i used to be in colorado it's really dry out there um and uh so like using shampoo was like a definitely a no-go uh because it would just dry out my hair even more even if i was using conditioner it would just strip out all the natural stuff you want to like keep it going now i'm like i'm back in ohio now and i'm not only that i'm like right next to lake erie so it's like really it's much more humid here but i'm still trying to see if i could pull that off i'm still in like a i'm still in the investigatory period where What's going to happen if I don't use shampoo quite so often? Uh, I've used some other stuff in my hair. I'm like using um, conditioner every once in a while. And I, I have shampooed a few times, uh, but I'm trying to just sort of do, a, you know, a very l- tiny little bit in there to like make sure the scalp is nice and clean and ready to go. Uh, and then hoping that, that the hair will just be able to repel, uh, you know, oils and stuff like that through its, the natural protective stuff that's on there. I don't know if that's going to if I'm going to be able to pull it off, but I will say that in the last, like when I first moved here, it was like pretty rough. It was getting pretty oily and it was looking pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. In the last couple of weeks, I haven't noticed that as much, and so I'm like, oh, maybe things are going better. So I think I still mostly recommend the no poo method. So uh, try to avoid shampoo if you Did can. You have Not to ever. word it that way. <laughs> I have to word it that way. That's it's legally binding. We are the no poo people, and you will respect and love us. Uh, try it out it, you know it's not for everybody but a lot of people would probably be much better off uh, in terms of their hair if you didn't use shampoo so uh, uh maybe avoid that and then uh, beyond that just you know brush your hair every day things like that and uh and you know clean it if there's something in it or something like that it really doesn't take that much even if you have a lot of hair like me all right man well sage words on hair advice from jeff right. grubb uh, guys, I know so many of you wrote in questions, Emmett, Bry, so many of you guys, uh, Emil, writing in questions. I'm afraid I don't want to burn too much more of Jeff's time. I want to respect that. But Jeff Grubb, thank you for joining me. Please let people know if they somehow don't already uh, where to find you. And if there's anything that you've got coming up that you'd like to, to point people to, please take a moment and do that. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Giant Bomb. Uh, find me there, giantbomb.com. I'm doing a lot of stuff there all the time. I have really, I do a morning show on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, called Game Mess Mornings, uh, where 
11 a.m. Eastern, I go live. We talk about the, the news of the day and have a conversation. I have a conversation with a guest every day about it where we just go through the headlines, we discuss it all, we do some other fun stuff. Uh, that's been fantastic. I really, really enjoy doing it, and we've been you know, growing, and the audience that shows up every day for that stuff is fantastic. Of course, it's also on podcast service, services and all those things. Uh, but then other than that, apparently Grand, Grand Theft Auto 6 just leaked. Uh, a bunch of stuff leaked from that. So now I'm, I'm going to go look at that stuff and see if there's anything uh, I need to see there. But uh, yeah, that, that that's me. Amazing. Amazing. Guys, you can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. And of course, this show on all your podcast services. If you are willing, please take a moment, rate it the five stars or subscribe like any of the little things that do, do so much for a small show like mine. Uh, Jeff Grubb, grand curator of the Game Mess. I appreciate your time, man. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, dude. Thank you, Luke.